What's good, everybody? This is your boy, Vin Scully. And your boy, Nick Solo. And welcome to episode 52 of the Reporter Boys podcast. Uh, before we get into it, this has been a great weekend of football, uh, but we didn't say anything about Pele the last episode, so real quick, we just wanted to say rest in peace to Pele, uh, the original GOAT, the original greatest of all time, dude scored crazy amounts of goals. I mean, he was the world's best player for such a long time you know the greatest ever i think uh like as a kid i would always kind of disrespect pele because i'd be like look at what cristiano ronaldo's doing look at what ronaldinho's yeah. doing and messi and like pele wouldn't be able to beat these defenders defense has come such a long ways but like now that i'm older it is crazy to think that at a time that nobody was doing anything like that yeah. like a Cruyff turn was barely a concept and this <laughs> exactly. man is doing all the like the Maradona spins and like elastic like he could yeah. do all the tricks in yeah, the book video, and people uh, thought he was an alien um if you don't know what Nick Sol is talking about there's a video that went viral where it showed like Pele was kind of the original inventor of like so many elite like of tricks and just of every moves. every move that we take Chops, for granted cuts pirouettes yeah. a fake shot elastic right? to sell shots, a fake shot Cruyff turns like like he like you know like he he was doing that stuff from like the 50s and stuff and obviously a whole wave of like trivia videos came out and a lot of footage of, of how he played and his playing style and, and um i i kind of take it all back because i definitely also felt like pele was you know playing against postmen and and fucking butchers and shit like that so i was like well it's gonna be easier for a guy like that but um, no, nah, he, he's clearly one of those guys where you can tell his, his abilities would translate perfectly into today's game. And, that's like, so just general innovation in a sport. Yeah, man. That, I mean, that's just such a rare thing. Like, we've seen it. We've kind of been spoiled as a generation because we have, like, Steph Curry changing the game with, like, long threes. And, but that kind of stuff doesn't come around very often. You exactly. Know? Man. When a whole game changes, the whole concept, like, the structure with teams are set up, the formations, like. Yeah. Teams are trying to double, triple team this guy because they just can't figure Kicking out these him moves. to death, bro. This guy went to five World Cups. I didn't even know that. Yeah. He won three of them. That's insanity, yeah. man. Yeah. Greatest World Cup scorer of all time, I think, to this very day. Um, he was the best player in a league that was arguably the best in the world when he was playing. Um, that is the other criticism is he never played, he never in, played Europe, in Europe. But, yeah, yeah, but, you know, I, as things have become so Eurocentric in world football, I think it's important to remember that Brazil was considered one of the has been considered one of the best national teams in the world since the 30s. And none of their Brazilian players ever left the country until maybe the 70s or the 80s. Yeah. So for that entire time, they were playing at home in Brazil. Most almost the entire national team that won the first two with Pele was all playing in Brazil. So, I mean, that just shows the level that they were playing at. That was arguably the best league in the world at the time. And he's the greatest player of all time in that league. Obviously, it doesn't mean as much now, but back then. It meant so much, man. Think of the talent that we think of when we think of Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo and how, you know, when Maradona, rest in peace, when he passed too, like, there was a whole generation of people who are, like, our our parents' age talking about, like, oh, Maradona, there's, there'll never be another one like him. You don't understand. The world stopped when he played and things like that. Yeah. And Pele was the original, you know? Yeah, there's something to be said about that, too. And I've briefly talked about it with Mbappe, how, like, People are so fixated on Messi is the greatest player of all time, and we'll yeah. never see anything like him. And as great as Mbappe is, like I'm not out here going to say that he's going to be better than Messi, but I think somebody eventually will be. Yeah, and I think so and too. It, as untouchable as records may seem, 
they always get broken. That's They'll just like fall. the nature of sports. Look at Holland this season. He looks at like Holland, he's about right? to break something. He did. Although, I don't know. Yeah. City out of the, the Caribbean Cup, as you call it. And to be the original, though, and to set all the original records yeah. is something special. Yeah. You know, those, those are records that they might be broken but they'll never be forgotten someone has to be the first right and Mm -hmm. i think for him to be able to just do everything that was possible within football and then what he meant to the world like after that after his football career as an ambassador it might not be significant to certain people but i can say like as a black man especially as a kid like to imagine finding out that there was a sport where like the original king was like a black dude especially back in the day back in the 50s and 60s where racism was a lot more rampant and it was a lot more like out there it was a lot more of the norm to discriminate and you'd see Pele pulling up and heads of state putting crowns on this guy and you'd see him like show up to any country on earth and there's massive crowds for him up until he was an old man um the world would stop whenever he touched down someplace there was a there was a vicious civil war in nigeria in like the 60s or the 70s i'm talking like brutal fucking war and as soon as Pele and santos touched down there was an immediate ceasefire for 48 hours. The second the plane left, they said they could hear the gunshots as the plane was flying away. Wow. Like, that's the impact that's that Pele had. He stopped that type of war just so everyone could sit down and watch him. Yeah. So that's the type of impact that guy had. Shout out Pele. Shout out to Pele, man. Rest in peace to the original GOAT. Hopefully, hopefully, his legacy isn't diminished. Hopefully, you know, people kind of understand, like, yes, there's going to be different goats throughout different periods and phases of time. That doesn't mean you have to tarnish someone else's legacy. I think Pele's legacy will forever be strong just because Facts. of the impact throughout Brazil yep. and then Brazil's impact throughout the sport. Someone said that no matter how far away Pele's accomplishments become, he's always going to be in that top tier with Maradona and like now Messi, oh, yeah. right? Like He's never going to fall. But yeah. yeah, anyways, that's our little tribute to Pele. I uh, just wanted to say something on uh, Ore, the original goat. Uh, but moving on, my friend... This has been quite the weekend of football. Oh, no? great weekend. Oh, man. Great this weekend. Sunday, especially. I think all the games on Sunday were my favorite games. Sunday had the better games. Uh, um, real quick, Napoli versus Juve. Napoli, Napoli five, stepped on Juve. Juve won. Napoli stepped on Juve, bro. Crazy. Uh, Victor Osimhen looks like the real deal. He still looks very stiff and like awkward at times on the ball, but that's just his body, and he's clearly an efficient goal scorer. Yeah. And I think he had a hat trick. The hat first, trick bro, that's the first time you can say that about an African forward since Samuel Eto'o. And Eddie and Ketia. <laughs> Fuck out of here. He's not even African, bro. He plays for England. He's Ghanaian, bro. They want him to play for their national team so badly. I could have sworn he was Nigerian. Talking about airports. He touched down in Ghana, and they had like a whole, like the whole airport shut down. It that's was crazy. presentation for him. Bro. Yo, and he Ghana, still won't play for that. So Ghana's up. really stepping up their, uh, their national team recruitment. Anyway. Okay, yeah, let's keep uh, but this isn't any Eddie and Ketia hour. No, no, no. <laughs> no, we don't have to talk about Eddie. Um, Continuing on Napoli, Juve. Juve is falling apart. Juve is probably one of the few teams outside of Chelsea that I, as a Liverpool fan, can take solace in watching. Juve looked disgusting. They went back and got Max Allegri, um, who was like their last manager the last time Juve like made a Champions League final and looked really good and like won like ten. Serials in a row or whatever the fuck, and it but hasn't gotten better. It has not gotten better. It's one of those Vlahovic instances where struggling. it's a lot like it's Chelsea or Spurs, where the manager clearly isn't the problem. It's more like the squad, yeah. but 
Allegri is also just trash, man. He looks like Conte with Spurs. Mm. And Napoli is just... St- oh, my God, man. Uh, Napoli and their head coaches is <laughs> like a match made in heaven. So, yeah. Um, I don't have too much to add. I was at work, so I didn't even watch it. But I, I follow a guy that he's Nigerian, so he's uh-huh. a big Victor Oshinen fan. And he's it's just tweet after tweet after tweet about how much he's just snapping. So that's yeah. my perception of the game. I need to go watch the highlights after great. this. Oshinen was great. Uh, Napoli have surprisingly made like a really good team. Like it's out of nowhere, too. It's not like a slow build like ours. Like just randomly just got a bunch of really good guys, and now they just look really great. So glad to see his shit is changing up in Italy. Uh, next rapid fire point I have Man City's out of the Carabao Cup oh no to Southampton oh, of all people 2-0 that's so now it's a bit concerning how did that even happen how did it ha- again uh, I was Southampton were playing City off the pitch it is a little concerning because of the teams left remaining I think Manchester United being one of them <laughs> has a really good chance to finally break their curse and win a trophy and then what, after how many years like, like seven years? when was the last time? 2015 i think was yeah, the, 2015. the last time they won a trophy so they've been in a drought it is a little concerning marcus rashford is snapping right now <laughs> this man nick solo is worried so. he's worried know. about uh marcus rashford yeah. Manchester just you know to look good unfortunately they do look good. i think there is a chance of them maybe winning a league cup uh, we'll see though. This is always a part of the season where like like management of like different leagues, different uh, cups, and things like that becomes like super important. You know what's really exciting too though? <laughs> On the other side of that, what Newcastle is over there, uh, and a Newcastle Manchester United final would actually be really fun to watch. That'd be kind of cool. And that'd I don't be... know if Manchester United they've been flowing attacking wise, but can they break down a low block? Can they, they break down really a physical team like yet. Newcastle, a d- like a chippy like you know Newcastle. Kinda... Like, this is a fact. Newcastle is the best defense in the Premier League right now, this yeah. season. And so, yeah, it, chippiness. They're going to keep kicking you. Fouling you. They fouled the shit out of Arsenal. So, Marcus Rashford's going to get his ankles kicked. English football is filled with, like, a whole bunch of random-ass rivalries. Probably usually just due to, like, constantly seeing each other. And I remember there being a point where Newcastle was very good in the Prem. And they kind of lost their their mojo to United. So we'll see if any of that old blood kind of kicks off again. But speaking of United, though, they had another amazing win. Another big victory. Oh, my God. Big two. victory for Arsenal, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot. So Manchester United <laughs> beat Man City 2-1 in a controversial thriller. Controversial. I mean, it just looks like the lose kind of going back to what, how it used to be. That, uh, Manchester United really get cool. a lot of bullshit calls. I must say, <laughs> as an Arsenal fan, it does make me really happy that it's like this. Right now, as of, you know, today, uh, like Manchester United and Arsenal look like two of the most dangerous teams in the league. Yeah, it's, and it's 2004. It really hits again. home in the, yeah, like the prime Arsenal Man U era that we were all grow, grew up with. But, uh, do you, do you think there's cause for worry looking at the United team? I'm, I am very worried about Manchester United. <laughs> I can't lie. I am very worried. I think they are like an eight and a striker away from yeah. really scaring some people. And then yeah. a center back on top of that would be nice. But that, yeah. you know, I'm trying to keep it minimal here. I think if they had another eight, like another option for Fred, not that Fred's doing bad he's actually playing really well right now but you know how we always said that united have like a bunch of really talented players it's just that their roster construction doesn't really make sense uh they've supported ten hog over the last couple windows i think and um he's found a way to kind of make all those guys work really well together 
You were talking about Luke Shaw is apparently snapping at center back. Which yeah, is, he's doing it. He's putting in a shift, man. He's. I mean, it's hard to look bad when your competition is Harry Maguire, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but also, my, thing, but my first question was, my first question was, what you mean in a three-man back line? No, like, yeah. you know, you're saying it's a four-man back line. He's starting over Harry. He's Maguire. starting over Lissandro Martinez right now. That's oh, that's kind of the crazy yeah, part. But damn. Him and Veron have looked solid together when they've played together. That's really interesting. I don't know. You would have never, never got me to believe that shit. <laughs> never, I, ever. Bro. I don't think Manchester United fans want that as like a long-term option, but it seems to be doing the job right, right now. now. With Malassi on the left side. When I talk about like cohesiveness, it seems as though United is kind of gelling, but it seems as though like Ten Hag has laid out a system for them that kind of makes everything easier, and everybody kind of knows where you know the other player is for once, and, you know, no look passes and things like that passing to the open side it it's kind of crazy because some of manchester united's tactics remind me of like real madrid over the last few seasons you know what we uh, no i can't i I don't want to put this in the universe they're trying to like like stretch the field and like play their fast players over in open space i mean marcus rashford sometimes a striker i don't want i don't even know if i want to include this in the episode no go ahead put it into (laughs) the universe i think uh i was saying how they need an eight and a striker and can you imagine if they had like a truly elite striker? If they had like a Kylian Mbappe, who they can counterattack? They with? have Anthony Martial. What are you talking right. about? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the way Anthony Martial is gassed up by those many right, fans, you would right. think that, but not you. But like, United you know, with a Kylian Mbappe would be that would literally be very fun. as I'm thinking because you know we've every, people always talk about Kylian Mbappe is not like as willing to do the defensive work and in a modern game these dominant teams they press well for 90 minutes and manchester united do press but Mm. their attacks are so fast and they're so just instantly get the ball to marcus rashford he's the fastest guy on the field he's gonna burn everyone you combine that with like a killian mbappe like elite finisher speedster type yeah that then I'm officially very scared of Manchester United. James, but I pray even. Mbappe does that. Nothing even close to that happens because <laughs> that would really. I don't want to have to hate Mbappe. That's, uh, that's all that, that, would, that would be a really strange set of events of killing Mbappe ended up going to Manchester United. Yeah, but I imagine the club would have to be sold and a lot of other good things. When the Glazers finally want to sell the club, they, they're they like, yeah, you know what, I, let's make sure this shit actually looks good and presentable while we sell. I mean, um, I don't know. Maybe they don't even sell. I mean, but them beating City, yeah, that looks great for Arsenal, in, in my opinion. And now they're third right behind... They're a they're point, point behind, behind City, City now. I think, New, I think Newcastle are a point behind City also. And Top four is tight right now. But four that's basically the top four in my opinion i don't see anybody else breaking yeah, into it is only halfway through the season so matter a lot of fact change, the only other two well tottenham might have a chance but the only other two tottenham don't have a chance liverpool and chelsea are both in free fall so i don't i don't really see anybody else breaking in there i'm not even trying to be by uh, i can't count tottenham out of the top four but i was gonna say they just look dead the team just doesn't look they might pull something off but i don't think tottenham has the bro it's the same thing for the last four years they don't have the right personnel they just don't have good players and they don't have players who mesh well or play well off they have a bunch of guys that are just like above mid-table quality and Tottenham look like they much more than look like they go to work every day you know what i mean like everybody <laughs> like it looks like they just get clock up they're like clock clock out. gotta go to the job gotta work with these one guys and they don't talk to anybody after practice is over like they just don't fuck with each other they just look like a bunch of guys and that's weird because it's a conte team and part of what makes conte work is that he kind of makes the guys believe in themselves and they come together that's how he was able to turn things around for chelsea you know yeah <clears throat> getting into the north london derby 
that would be the best way I would describe the Tottenham first <laughs> half at least. It, it, and it changed a lot in the second half. And yeah. They did have some more urgency and Arsenal kind of went to their shell more. But that first half, I swear Tottenham couldn't even string together three, four passes. They could barely get out of their own half. Y'all were all over them. It was, it was us being all over them. They just couldn't keep up with our press. They couldn't pass the ball well enough. Whereas we we passed the ball so much better than them. And I know this sounds very basic, like surface level, but that's what it was. It was like we, we just knocked the ball so flawlessly around the field, left side, right side, like working passing around. Movements and, and you can see them like trying to press, but yeah. they're just not they're not gonna get there. And we talk about like Tottenham being like they don't like each other. Arsenal are just such a cohesive unit right yeah. now. And it's just such a big contrast between the two teams in that first half i'm almost comparing like the like the playing style of the coaches um not like when they were players but like Mm -hmm. how conte his is very mechanical and certain things trigger certain runs and guys are supposed to look for certain passes all over where it looks as though arsenal are a lot more fluid they still have an intent they still have a system of how they want to work but it seems as though they've a uh, Arteta's given your players a lot more ability to freestyle, if that makes sense, for mm-hmm. a, a lot more, play a lot more instinctively. Um, it feels as though that they've kind of been given instruction or taught how to be there for each other when they're kind of playing in that instinctive role, because I always see Arsenal swarming, and like whether you guys are swarming player for the ball, or whether you guys are in, in an attacking phase, whenever I see you guys in an attacking phase, it's never just one guy attacking, it's always a few guys running and like there will be a, a dude sprinting towards the guy with the ball just to try and play off of each other and things like that. So I think we can see what the difference is, obviously. You know, the mechanical style versus the fluid style. Yeah, that's the fun thing about this Arsenal team, too. Is like, like, It is fluid. It's dynamic. Goals come from everywhere. Yeah. Today we had Saka score an own goal. Or we made whoever it was. One of the, <laughs> oh, know, Luis had, his, had the mistake. Hugo. I was expecting him to have the entire World Cup. This man said, nope, I'm world-class for France. When I get to Spurs, I will have a shot of Hennessy before the game. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what he did, bro. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe that bullshit. That was, that was ridiculous. <laughs> that was such a Hugo Lloris mistake, dog. But Saka, Saka still tried to claim it, right? So right. That's our right wing. And then Martin Odegaard is also scoring. Yeah. You know, oh, so that, that goal from Odegaard was incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, that long-range little daisy cutter. I remember when Tony Kroos was the only guy doing mm-hmm. that shit. Yeah. And now Odegaard's out here. I think your team composition is pretty good, man. I'm agreeing with what you said, though. I think it is time to get a replacement for Shaka. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, I, I don't think you guys need anybody to, like, actually be a starter. I don't even think we need a replacement like immediately now. He's just like so a, just like good. another squad player. To, yeah, like a guy that's young and can become that maybe in a yeah. year or two. Like that that it's would be nuts, nice, folks. Arsenal look like the real deal. I'm not even joking. What's funny about Arsenal specifically, and I, and I also what's funny about United, I guess in the same vein, is that you guys is play styles are a lot less definitive or uh, absolute in comparison to Manchester City or Liverpool. I've told you already, Liverpool stopped pressing two seasons ago, but we still have kind of like a clear style that we're trying to get to, but it's not really working. Whereas Arsenal's style, I feel like, again, you guys do have your attacking movements and you guys have a fluid style of play, but 
it seems as though you guys can possess the ball and attack. You guys can counterattack. You guys can sit deep and defend. You guys can affect, uh, uh, effectively defend in a mid block and, you know, press past a certain point. Like, things like that. It seems as though you guys are kind of a chameleon because it's still kind of hard for me to suss out specifically what your style is. And the best thing I can say is that, like, okay, I know you guys are going to get the ball to Saka or Martinelli at some point, but. Even at that point, you guys don't specifically just depend on those guys. I think it's because they, they beat you in so many ways. Exactly. And that all stems, it all stems from, well, firstly, every single, like I said earlier, every single possession starts with Thomas Party. Right. And the Sokka slash Luis own goal starts from a beautiful over-the-top ball, a run made by Sokka. But the majority of our like dynamicness and why we're so hard to pin down as a play style is because of Xhaka and Odegaard yeah. and how they play us too two eights two higher eights. up the field like that and we just smacked tottenham in the north london derby <laughs> so i'm allowed one crazy take today yeah martin odegaard should be in premier league player of the year discussions it's actually insane what he's doing mm. i i think back to when he was 15 years old signing for madrid mm. i didn't know nobody knew who martin odegaard was they just knew he was the 15 year old signed to madrid he had to be nasty. I think more people expecting him to fail than expecting him to... Probably, yeah, lose. probably. But at the same time, in the back of my head, I was like, Madrid don't just sign 15-year-olds, at least not at that time. Yeah. And I was like, there has to be something we've never seen before in this player. And I'm not saying Martin Odegaard is that right now, but it feels like, even though he's only 24 years old, it feels like he's kind of rounding into his prime. Mm-hmm. Every single game this season, he's been so consistent. It was a big criticism last year. He doesn't score enough goals. He disappears in away games. Every single season since he's gotten that captain's armband, he has been electric. He has created so many attacking opportunities for so many different players around the field. Yeah, he's. I feel like he's kind of like rounding into his prime a little bit, and we're about to see the best of Martin Odegaard in the next few years. That's good, yeah. He looks so confident out there. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think that, that you just said he's 24. I didn't realize that shit he's was almost 10 years ago. And he's, and he's putting up numbers Kevin De Bruyne can even Right, I was right going to say he's slowly... I don't think he's necessarily the finished product yet, but no, he's so I, complete he totally at this point. Be- I think the potential is exciting. By 27, he could be one of the best midfielders in the world. Period. That's a possibility. He's on that trajectory right now. I discounted Martin Odegaard. I didn't think about it, but he was technically the first in that wave of super young signings that Real Madrid like has been doing recently. He was the very first, if you think about it. And I expected him to so, fail yeah. kind of the same way so many other teenagers at big clubs usually do. Uh, but he started showing like flashes at like Real Sociedad, and I was like, oh, there's kind of a player here. There's kind of a player here. wasn't necessarily trying to admit it, but I started seeing it at Arsenal. Now when I see him, I see him as kind of just like a – he's so assured and confident. It's almost like a, it's almost like I see him as like a like prime Christian Erickson right now. But whereas that was Erickson's prime and that was all you could get out of Erickson, it feels as though Odegaard is slowly building up more to his repertoire and he's slowly like passing that level. I don't want to. I don't necessarily want to say okay, compare him to Cesc Fabregas or anything like that. But I think that's kind of the the image that I'm getting in terms of like the the way he calms the rest of the team. I like I like the Cesc comparisons. I haven't even really thought of that before. Like, like he's he's not necessarily as vital a component as Cesc was because maybe Cesc Fabregas he was might like be, dude. That's the, the, thing. the main central midfielder, and I feel like Thomas Partey probably holds his uh, carries his weight okay, just gotcha, as well yeah. as Odegaard does. 
But I don't know. Maybe putting a captain's armband on that guy was a good idea because he he's a like, captain in Norway. He's like, a lot more reliable now. Yeah. You know. So uh, and that goal was was incredible. But yeah, he's always had that bit of magic, and he's found a way to to apply it in the Premier League, which is and he always had cool. like little flicks and spins and like little things that would remind you of like Mesut Ozil. You know, that's the lazy comparison everyone yeah. likes to make. Which I don't know. I, I think it's a pretty good comparison. But regardless. He would always do those kind of things, but now he's taken this extra step where when he has two, three guys like on him, like a foot away from him, yeah. he can still kind of maneuver with the ball and get out of these incredibly yeah. tight spaces. And he's had like three megs in like his last three games, and they're dirty. <laughs> like he's violating defenders. Yeah, the technique is coming back into football, bro. And it's, it's, it's exciting. It's, a, it's, it's a really exciting. I have something else yeah, I need to talk ahead. about. Oh, go ahead. Oh, a whole other topic. <laughs> a whole other topic. A whole other topic. Oh, fuck it up. We're here with our resident oh, Chelsea yep. fan, Mr. Actually, I don't know. You don't know if you want your name on or not. Mr. Ky- Mr. Kyle. We'll say Kyle. Kyle is <laughs> Mr. here. Kyle. Kyle enjoyed El Clasico with us. We could talk about El Clasico briefly in a bit, but yeah. we need to talk about Chelsea football. Right. Club. Yes, that's true. That's true. The, the blue and elephant. Yeah. <laughs> the Kyle might just be observing today, and maybe he'll be on a future pod, but... I have a few things to say about <laughs> Chelsea, the, the the London Cowboys, if I may. Oh my god! And Todd Bowley, Todd Todd Balls. I don't hey, he's know. He's got dude. balls, man. He, Todd Balls. He's egregious. I can't lie. To to take one of the biggest entities <laughs> in sports, one of the most valuable sports teams in the world, and appoint yourself director of football, <laughs> then to proceed. And not develop any kind of scouting network. Nope. Say, to hell with the academy system. Center backs and wingers, baby. <laughs> Why do you need any of that when you got green, baby? <laughs> when you got that guap. And what uh, has this man been doing? He has been spending senseless. He has spent 400 million, I don't know if that's euros yeah. or sterling, but 400 million pounds. regardless, just I think, think of the number, 400 million. It doesn't even matter at that point what currency it's in. It does, but you know, which, you know whatever. That is classified as a fuck ton. <laughs> yeah, you have surpassed. A ton of money, ton. bro. 400 million, dog. 400 million. In a, in a window. In, in, a, a, window. in a window Census and a half. Spending. Just, oh, I want oh, this guy. Oh, 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 so, so is there a specific transfer that has specifically triggered you? Yeah. Is there? Jao Felix. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my but, God. Six, six month loan. Six month loan. Uh, 12 million loan fee. Getting paid outrageous wages. I think what it came down to was he would cost them 666000 per game. <laughs> oh, and then okay. he goes and gets a red card in the first, I don't know, what, first half, <laughs> goes and gets a red card, three-match ban. Yeah, just so he can get acclimated to the weather and really figure things out well, before he gets started. It. He's just, you know, he's yeah, living the life. And then, and then vacation what, in London. So what else, what else just, got, um, just got confirmed? Um, or is looking to be confirmed? No, it is confirmed. So Arsenal, are we talked about in the last episode? I think it's Mikhailo Mudrich. Yeah. I did my homework. So Mikhailo Mudrich, Arsenal apparently went up to ninety-five million. I think this was euros. Like it would be like eighty straight up, and then like fifteen in installment or something along those lines. Yeah. And you know things are progressing. This this guy's been flirting with Arsenal for the past two months. Say what you want about the kid; he's clearly talented, but. 
I personally did not want to be paying much more than like 60 mil for this guy, right. especially if you're signing Gakpo for 40. This kid has played less than 30 senior games in oh, his career. Shit. And Chelsea come in with a bid uh-huh. at the odd hour of whenever. The last it, second, bro. The Go last ahead. second. And drop $100 million on a kid that has played less than 30 games in the Ukrainian <laughs> league. Oh, yeah, yeah. Chelsea, million. Bro, think about it. Think about it. Chelsea's last owner was Russian. Chelsea has to do a lot of PR work this now is to get that vital PR. Ukrainian it has to fan be. base. You know what else? I think Fabrizio Romano is tied into this. Because mm. the amount of coverage this deal got for right. how, like, Oh, this kid from the Ukrainian leagues might go to Arsenal. Okay, whatever. This thing was everywhere, and the pushing this narrative of oh, he's a hundred million pound player. He's he's gonna win a Ballon d'Or in his career. He's generational. Like all the PR, and then it suddenly flips and like. Fabrizio is the only one breaking the news, and like the way the clubs handled it too. I like, didn't want to believe it at all because I was like, "Nah, that just sounds like some petty shit." But that it actually and that's happen. what pisses me off. It doesn't, the kid it doesn't piss to go me to off. That, Why would he go against his scruples like that? It, it doesn't piss me off that we missed out on him. It pisses me off how, first of all, I don't think he's anywhere close to being a hundred million pound player. No, but it's like this sudden spin. And it's like, oh, what do you think changed? Oh, he likes the project at Chelsea? Right. Hey, over the team that's in first place and has, like, the probably second or third youngest team in the league. You think he likes having a stable of six wingers ahead of him on the, at his new club? A club with six attackers and none of them are good. None of them are working out right none now. None of them. And they were all promising talents in at one the point. Most Kai Havertz league. was, like, 72 mil. Yeah. Damn, it's crazy. It's wild because Arsenal got to be one of the few teams in the league that play with wingers who play the style of Mudrik and who kind of allow their guys to have open space. He he loves playing on the touchline. That's perfect for, I think, Arsenal. I don't think any of Chelsea's attackers are expected to stay out on the touchline and and do work. You know, like, have fun doing lone counterattacks by yourself <laughs> with Kai Havertz trying to catch up to you on the because this kid's fast that's the one thing I hear, that's for sure about he, he's, he's got some really fast. good skill moves too I think, I think he's, he's got dribbler, great technique so uh, I feel as though Arsenal's age profile also fit Mudrik a lot it better perfect the development that we've seen from a lot of the wingers at Arsenal has uh, Martinelli and Saka have clearly improved even the attackers in general have clearly improved looking at Ketia, right but uh, at a club like Chelsea, this is what I was trying to tell Pulisic when I had him on the phone the other day. I was trying to tell him not to move to Chelsea because they're not going to develop you. You have to be a ready-made product at Chelsea. And nine times out of ten, if not, you have to be one of those players who is so good that your aura eliminates all Chelsea grossness. Nobody at Chelsea's doing that. I don't think Mudrik's even going to be able to do that. So we'll see, man. I'm worried for him, and I'm really, I really, I forgot Nkunku's side for them. I'm so worried for Nkunku. Nkunku's screwed. I'm so over. worried. A lot of these guys who are moving to Chelsea are basically putting a pauses on their careers right now. I hope Kai Havertz gets a good move, not like some. I need Pulisic to move, I need Sterling to move, I need Kai Havertz to move. I I need Nkunku to be like, actually, I don't want to wear blue. I want to wear red instead and go to Liverpool. Well, and it's like, getting back to like the decision too, like it's crazy to think that Arsenal let a difference of 5 mil or 10 mil decide whether they wanted to keep pursuing this guy or not when you're talking about numbers this big. But But regardless, like terms had been agreed, all this stuff, the only, like, Mudrich could have been like, no, I don't want to play for Chelsea. I've already agreed terms with Arsenal. Right. As a club, Shakhtar, just take the 95. He could have put that pressure on them yeah. <clears throat> to like just accept the 90 to 95 mil. 
but something changed. It's kind of sad. And clearly, Todd Bowley is throwing around generational wealth. <laughs> players that have played less than 30 senior games. Did I say that it's, already? It's kind of sad. Um, it, it was either the kid who was like, fuck it, I'm going to go for the money, or it was the club pressuring him and saying, we're not selling you to Arsenal, we're selling you to who we can get the most money out of. I hope he has a Samir Nasri career path. Oh, damn. That's post, a cold world. Post-Arsenal oh, Win things at City? Post-Arsenal. Samir Nasri post-Arsenal or Samir Nasri post-City? Yeah, he like never City. played. <laughs> he, he won he might have won. the first he played, two like, the seasons first he season, left. Yeah. Sad, sad, sad times. Close to me, kudos years. to Arsenal for standing on it because we were talking about um, how Todd Boldy kind of just clearly treats things like a rich dad. He doesn't actually like try and sit down and understand what the issue is. He just throws money at it and thinks it's going to make everything better. Oh, yeah. The other thing about this deal, he signed a seven-and-a-half-year contract with, an, with a year option. So he'll yeah. be there till he's 30. Fucking idiot. Him, one deal. And, him and Badi Ashile or whatever, it, that other center back they just bought, why the fuck are they signing seven-year contracts, bro? It, Mr. Chelsea, man, can you, can you, do you have any explain thoughts? that for us? Or would you like to speak into the mic? Uh, on advice of my counsel, I'm uh, going to uh, exercise my Fifth Amendment provided to me by the U.S. Constitution. Wow, spoken like a true lawyer, spoken like a spoken like a true Chelsea fan, a, a, a cold, heartless person. That's as far as I'm going to go. I just want to say, so Arsenal need to buy an attacker, but the shitty part is now. Any attacker we go to, they're going to be like, oh, you almost paid 100 mil for Mudrich. We want yeah. 100 mil. AKA, yeah. apparently, Edu went back to Barca because Rafinha's been struggling to see if there's a deal there. And apparently, they said 100 mil. Wow. So that's what we're going to have to deal with the yeah, rest of January. It's unfortunate. It looks as though um, <laughs> and Arsenal, now- Arsenal should probably go to the Brighton. Uh, version of scouting which is just finding just hidden gems seriously like don't go to anybody who knows who you are like just yeah. <laughs> don't be, I don't even think you should be in, looking in the top but five leagues but we need leagues, production bro. now that's the thing so yeah Anyways, we um, can get on to the, the final event. So let's finish. Let's finish this up. Um, I just wanted to talk really quickly. We just watched the Clasico, El Clasico, um, for always, the Supercopa España. Footballing excellence. Oh my God, it's back. It is back. The, magic, the last few years, the it's, been, it's been the Real Madrid Cup uh, because, you know, Barca every once in a while. <laughs> Um, when they had Messi, they were able to fight off Real Madrid every once in a while. But they were, they've been getting cut by Real Madrid for the better part of like five, six years. And this was probably the first game where it felt like it was an old Clasico. Where it's just like beautiful football, just brilliant. The amount of times everyone in the room stood up watching this game was crazy. Uh, we were just all happy as fuck. All we could keep saying was like, yo, this is such a good game. Um, Real Madrid got cooked. Yeah, Real Madrid got cooked. Real quick, I think, I think that Lewandowski signing was a big deal in terms of like the hype for these games. Now, I think seeing him on a team sheet really across from Benzema, Benzema like, exactly. it helps bring that magic back or like the star-studded, you yeah. know, Barca Real Madrid teams. But the real stars of this game were Gavi and Pedri. Yeah, and this was a Gavi game for this sure. This was a Gavi game, man. A goal and two assists. Uh, you know us. We we're we're Gavi guys. We've, we've talked about it, but yeah. uh, I mean, we love Pedri too. But that to me, Barcelona's midfield just dominated Real Madrid's midfield. Yeah, they and did. That's something we have not seen for a while. Like, yeah. Real Madrid has been known 
historically for their midfield. Well, I was I was hyped for Real Madrid because I was like, oh, you got Modric, Kroos, and and the young god Kamavinga, the the young superstar Valverde like, okay, playing the, right wing, so he's Valverde. playing midfield. He'll probably play center mid. There were so many. The there, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of like similarities between the two the two clubs, like in terms of personnel and playing style. Just by the way, because like how Valverde was playing uh, in the in the front three out as a wide winger, but he kind of had a whole flank. Um, Pedri. Excuse me, Gavi was playing uh, in the front three as well, but he was kind of playing in his own like Iniesta like style in the half space, in the half <laughs> spaces, in the attacking spaces, out left, out right, yeah, just yeah. being clutch. What's kind of the thing that makes Gavi stand out? Because I can see what makes Pedri stand out. Like he kind of has just that little sparkle. It's kind of reminiscent of Modric, where it's um, he's just impeccable on the ball and he always makes the right decision. But I was like, I've been, I know Gavi gets slandered a lot. He's kind of not showing that he's Wait, that who are you good anymore. Time out. Who is impeccable on the ball and always makes the right Pedri. decision? Pedri. Okay, Pedri, yeah. Pedri. But I was like, I was well, like, what, Gavi's not perfect. On the ball. I, was like, I, was like, I was like, what's Gavi's thing? Like, what, what kind of makes him like so? You know, yeah, so yeah. whatever and. You were and you were he's saying so like, young too. It's not good to like pin him down. Yeah, exactly. Bit, you know? And you were saying like you don't really know. And we were we were discussing about how like it could be the fact one that he's young, so that consistency. You're not always going to find that Pedri like consistency in everyone. But two, also the fact he's playing multiple dis, uh, positions all over the place. I mean, he was playing how many different positions for Spain at the World Cup? Um, but over this game, I mean, the reason I call it a Gavi game is because, dude, that guy is all willpower. That guy is mm-hmm. very smart, but he he knows how to throw himself into the into the mix at the exact right moments. Um, assists. I mean, he had he had a, a cross or assist where you were like like you did not like uh, the pass he yeah, made. Yeah, so he was like it was like a two v one, and Lewandowski played the ball to him kind of late, and then Gabi took this touch towards the that touch line end line. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, like if he just played that ball sooner, if he kind of took a different first touch, yeah. like. It seems like all the angles had kind of closed down completely. Yeah, you, you're like, I don't like that. And like, as soon as you said it, somehow, some way, he has this perfect cross. It just like curls around the defender, perf. As he's getting closed down, running full speed to the end line, like gets a little luck with a deflection. To be able to curl a ball behind a defender, and then it's still fast enough to to meet the guy who's running onto it, and then he scores, making that same fucking pass. Like between a closing down defender and a and a and a Courtois going the other direction, fucking goal. Yeah, it's the finish too on Courtois was incredible. Yeah, man, I'm really I'm really happy to see it. Um, A whole bunch of quality football, man. Huh? No, go on, go on. To me, Gavi has always been the Iniesta comp. That time that like a year from today, basically. Pedri was balling. He was megging people. He was turning, getting crazy volley goals, and he was snapping. And people were just comparing him to Iniesta left and right. Yeah, you know, Bleacher Reports throwing up pictures of both these guys together. To me, Gavi has always been play style wise the Iniesta one. Yeah, Pedri's and, definitely a lot more involved in the buildup. Yeah, but Gavi's kind of that 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 uh he plays that higher line. He's yeah. always involved. With he's the that X factor yeah. almost. You know, you never kind of know what he's going to do. But he almost always does the right thing in that in that moment. I think that's. Really and he doesn't have that silkiness yet that Iniesta has, but yeah. he's so young, yeah. you know, and he do- he's good enough on the ball. He's yeah. just getting better and better every yeah, year. Yeah, man. Uh, Gavi, Gavi definitely impressed me this game. This game was all down to him. Shout out to Xavi Hernandez. The tactics were beautiful. We just kept talking about how there were so many different little intricate uh, battles going on on the pitch and how you could clearly tell like everyone had a given role. 
And like for for Xavi to take that Barcelona team, the same team that everyone's been slandering for two years, and to have them dominate Real Madrid, like that second half was all Barcelona. That's what I wanted to say too. Is that first half was very much like haymakers back and forth, back and forth yep. very open, and then the second half was complete dominance by Barca, yep. and that's down to Xavi for it's sure. Absolutely crazy. Um, and you know, talking about Lewandowski, that that kind of was a clout signing. Um, we can kind of see. Maybe it's not the same. Uh, I mean, to he the had same a good effect game. Like Holland, but like goal and assist. That, I think. Yeah. It was. Yeah. So maybe. So maybe we were talking about how he doesn't match the style, but he's still a weapon for them. Things kind of come apart when he's involved in the buildup, but he's still so dangerous that he got a goal and an assist off of a eh-looking game. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Balde. Damn. Yeah, yeah. Incredible pass by him too. You know what I'm saying? Beautiful. He's clearly great at that final pass even as a left back like he he like there's nothing you can't you don't call those crosses those are through balls you know what i'm saying like he's he's hitting silky passes he's fleet-footed um i think it was a brilliant task the next by great Barca left back maybe they honestly, always they always have to start him over jordi alba in a in a classico that means something you know yeah. um i thought it was a brilliant move by xavi to have him basically shadow valverde because you know once valverde um is is considered the wide right attacker he's basically owning that entire right flank and then you have balde who not only has the speed but he also clearly has the endurance to keep up with a guy like that and pressure him the whole game shout out to balde i thought he had a great game man well yeah uh that's about it for me that's it peace out later